honored to get to share my heart with you this morning. Ah, thank you. The reason I'm excited is because I do love this church and I love the church of God. I have known since I was a little girl that I was going to marry a pastor and be a first lady. Um, because God put in my heart a love for the local church a long time ago when I was real little. Um, I've been a, tr- a part of a lot of churches. Uh, my dad was a pastor. He was also sort of an evangelist type person for a while. And so we got to visit a lot of churches. And I just think that the body of Christ is beautiful. Um, I think that in all of its various forms, big churches, little churches, all of the different um, races across the globe, it's just a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to be like. And, um, and so I love the local church. And I think it's incredible that God chose to use this vehicle to share his message of his son with the world. You know, God could have done a thousand different things. He could have literally written the message about his son across the sky in the stars and just leave it up there for all of time. So anybody that looked at the sky would know that Jesus is Lord, but he didn't do that. He entrusted the message of Jesus with us, with people, with the local church. Why would he do that? Well, I really think that the reason is, is because God has always been a God of relationships. He's always been a God, a personal God. That's kind of, that's one of the things that separates us from all of the other religions in the world is that our God is a personal God that wants to have a relationship with us. We see way back in Genesis, God had a relationship with Adam and Eve. He would come and he would walk with them in the cool of the day. We see him coming and visiting with Abraham sitting under a tree and talking. We see that Enoch walked with God. We see that Moses, he called Moses up to the top of the mountain to have a conversation with him. And then he says to his people, the Israelites, he says, I, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's incredible how personal that God is with his people. And then the best of all, we see Jesus, God himself walking among us talking with us, being one of us, so that he could reach us. And I believe that's the perfect answer as to why God chose to use us, the local church, to carry his all-important message to the world because he believes in relationships. He knows that a relationship is the best way to spread good news, right? He knows that in relationship that we form together here in our church that we can st- we can encourage one another to stand firm and to trust God. And he knows that in the relationships that we form outside of this body, that's the perfect soil for his word to be planted and his kingdom to grow. Amen? So the title today of my message is The Church That I See. And I wanted to share with you a picture of what I believe is a part of God's vision for this body, for this church. I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson about our church, if you were not here with us. Pastor Dexter and I got here about five years ago. We're in our sixth year. And when we got here, we were really excited and a little apprehensive because there weren't very many people here. We're talking like nine people here. Um, there, the church had not split. There had been no bad feelings or anything, but people had just drifted away. But those that remained 
had a certain spirit about them that was unique. They had a heart for God and for other people that was different from what I had seen in all of the other churches that I had been in before. There was a distinct absence of churchiness, if you know what I mean. You guys know what I mean? Like all of the elements were there. There was a worship service. There was the preaching of the word, you know, the offering. All of that was there, but the spirit was different. There wasn't that spirit of churchiness that I remember. I remember when we were um, first came or we were talking about possibly coming to church here or leading the church here. Um, I had, I, we were in a meeting and I asked just straight out, I said, you know, what are your ideas of what a pastor's wife should be? Because a lot of churches, they have these preconceived notions of what a pastor and his family should look like and what should they be, they should be responsible for and what they should do. And so I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you think, what are you looking for in your pastor's wife? And the, um, answer was crickets, like silence. They didn't have an answer. They literally had no preconceived notions. I'm talking about the people that were here at Celebrate Church. Before, like when we first got here, they had no preconceived notions of what the pastor should do or, or, or be. They didn't, they just wanted God's love to be shared with the people of Clinton and they wanted everybody to know about it. That year we were able to, with along with a few others, to sit down and spend a year praying and talking and dreaming about what God wanted to do at Celebrate Church. Many of the things that you see um, and celebrate that are so great today are a direct result of those meetings. We knew that we wanted to be a church for families. We wanted to be a place where children could come and they could hear about God in a language that they understood. We wanted to be a place where parents could come and they could learn how to raise their children and to be godly men and women. We wanted to be a church that valued and accepted people and encouraged them as they're in their growth as believers. We knew that we wanted to be a church that prioritized the word in order for God to be able to change lives. And we prioritized worship so that hearts could be open for God to change their lives. All of these concepts were, we kind of wrestled over them for a while and we, you know, moved them around and stuff. And then they all boiled down to this one phrase that you see when you first walk in the door of our church, loving all, impacting our world, and growing together. Loving all, impacting our world, and growing together. So the question is, now five years later, are we living up to what God has called us to do? Are we loving all, impacting our world, and growing together? Now, I actually have, um, I'm a teacher, for those of you that don't know, and teachers are really big on um, measurable outcomes and assessments. So I actually have an assessment for you today. Um, I'm going to give you a card. Meg's going to go on this side. And actually, Brother Don, would you do this side? And just give the card. It's only got one question. It's super easy assessment. No cheating. No cheating. That's right. Don't copy you the answers from your neighbor. It just says, in your opinion, Celebrate Church is all about blank. You don't have to, please don't. I mean, you can, but you don't have to use the words I just said. But Celebrate Church is all about blank. Please don't write your name on the assessment, so that way I know that you're going to be honest. But I do want you to qualify your statement with um, whether you are a visitor here at Celebrate Church, maybe you've been here three Sundays or less, whether you call Celebrate Church your home, or if you're a committed member to Celebrate Church. 
What do you think that Celebrate Church is all about, just based on your experience? Now, you can just put it on the side, the, the chair beside you, and you can drop it in the giving box on the way out the door. I think that five years in is a really great time to take this assessment. Don't you agree? To find out whether we are actually living up to the message that God called us to love, impact, and to grow. And when we look into the future, five years from now, are we still going to be holding tight to that message? What kind of church can we see? Well, the first thing that we said is that we wanted to be a church that is loving all. When somebody asked Jesus to boil down the message of the entire Bible into one phrase, he said this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. First and foremost, we have to love God. I see a church, when I look at Celebrate Church, now and in the future, I see a church that loves God passionately, exclusively, and intentionally. Amen? So what does it mean when we say we really, truly love God? Jesus said it's all-encompassing. We love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, in our strength. When I am, um, when Dexter and I are praying over our children at night, when we pray, you know, their night night prayers with them, there are two things that we always, always say. We pray that they will always let their light shine for Jesus and point others towards Jesus. And we pray that they will, I'm going to cry again. We pray that they will love Jesus more than they think they love the things of this world for all of their days. That's my prayer for my children. Because here's the thing is, I know that there is a war going on for the affections of my children. There are things in this world that would steal their affections from God. There are so many things that are fighting for your affections. What are you setting your heart on? Are you setting your heart on money, on the promotion, on the job? Are you setting your heart on a relationship? That this relationship is going to be the answer and it's going to answer all of the questions and bail you out of the depression and sadness that you feel? Are you setting your heart on getting a good job? Are you setting your heart on getting the the nice house? What is it? There's so many things that are fighting for our affections, but God says to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. In Colossians 3, it says that we are to set our minds on things that are above not on the things of earth. That's how I, that's how I love God with my whole heart is I set my mind on him and not on the things of the, of the earth. Psalm 37, 14 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that when you are truly seeking after God, the desires in your heart change? They do, don't they? All of a sudden, the things of the world, they don't really seem that important anymore, do they? The desires of your heart change. So loving God is the first part to loving all, isn't it? We have to love God. We love God with our heart, soul, and mind. And the second thing that Jesus says in John 14, 15, God says that our love for him is demonstrated by our obedience. Ooh, I'm not going to look at you when I say that. Our love for God is demonstrated 
by obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I tell my children that sometimes. If you love me, you would do what I say. And they say, if you love me, you wouldn't ask me to. Here's the thing is that in America, there are so many people that claim that they're Christians, that they love God, but in their lives, they're, they're not living out the principles that he has set out for us as believers. That might actually apply to some of us. This person is called, you guys know it, a hypocrite. A hypocrite. You guys know that word. And here's the thing is I think, in my personal opinion, that hypocrisy has done more damage to the reputation of Christ than anything else. People that say they love God, but they don't keep his commandments. Here in the South, man, it's a big one. In 2 Timothy 3, let's look at that. It'll be on the screen. It says, but understand this, that the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. Seen that? Lovers of money. Mm-hmm. Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. That means discontented, like they, they just can't be appeased. They can't be contented with anything. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Check this out. Verse five, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Ouch. Here in the Bible Belt, man, that's a big one, isn't it? I mean, I teach at a Christian school and we require our students to learn um, scripture every week. K-4 through 12th grade, they have to learn scripture every week. But let me tell you, all of those kids are not Christians. You can go to the gas station here in the South and you can buy a t-shirt that says, too blessed to be stressed, right? I saw one, I saw one that said, let me see, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. I saw one that said, Southern raised and Jesus saved. Isn't that cute? Southern raised and Jesus saved. Or my personal favorite, y'all need Jesus. So here in the South, we have a lot to say about Jesus and God. And if you ask anybody, they'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was five years old at such and such a church. Haven't seen the inside of a Bible in years. Ouch. But God help us here at Celebrate Church. If all that we are producing are good church people instead of disciples of Jesus. Church, I'm telling you, this has been on my heart for a while. We have, if all that we're doing is producing people that come to church regularly and are good church people, but they've never had the transformative change in their life from a real relationship with Jesus, then we are not loving them well. We are become, we have become those that Paul warned against. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I don't want to be that kind of church. The church that I see is in Colossians 3. It says that we have put to death all of the things that are earthly in us. Verse 7 says, in these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. 
Instead, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive one another. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's the church that I see. Is that the church that you want? Amen. Notice that this verse says that loving God in this way, truly and heartfelt, will result in loving each other. John thirteen thirty five says that all men will know that you're my disciples by your, anybody know? Love one for another. That's how people will know that we're followers of Jesus. We could probably all say that one of the things that brought us back to celebrate church after the first time we visited was the love and the friendliness that we found in somebody that we met here. I can say that. I can say that. There is something about this church that is defined by true, unadulterated, unjudgmental love. When I, when we first got here five years ago, I told you that, that there were very few people, like nine of people. Six of those people were related to this man right here. <laughs> Wave at his brother Sam. Sam and Ann Peden and their daughters, Hope with her husband Mike, who are taking care of our children this morning, and Jericho and her husband Eric. And I was astonished at how open and accepting and loving that these people were, specifically these six people. I was blown away. I told you I've been in a lot of churches. I love God's church, but there was something different about them. They accepted us into their church family, but they also accepted us into their actual family. (laughs) Sam and Ann, you guys, I just want to give honor where honor is due. The children that you have raised are so incredible that I literally want you to adopt my children so that they turn out the same way. I mean, can I get an amen from anybody that knows their kids? Yes. It's incredible. These, these are the shoulders that we're standing on, church. This is the kind of love that has been a part of this church since before we ever got here. We need to be good stewards of what they've taught us. Because not every church is like this. I'm telling you, not every church is like this. But I see a church that is purposeful and loving people well. We celebrate new Christians being born into the family and commit ourselves to making sure they succeed in the faith. Veteran Christians, if we are not intentionally coaching younger Christians in the faith, then we are not loving well. We can't let them come to Jesus and then say, okay, good luck. God bless you. We need to love them as they proceed on their journey. We love people from the moment that they come in our door exactly as they are because Jesus loved us the same way. Amen? That's the church that I see. Loving each other, loving God, loving those around us should automatically result an impact. Now impact, when you think of the word impact, you think 
right? You think something has changed. Something is makes a difference, right? You have an impact in your car and your car is not the same, right? Romans 2 says that the kindness, Mandy says, amen. <laughs> Romans 2 says that the kindness of the Lord is what brings us to repentance. Guess who gets to show other people the kindness of the Lord? We do. We do. We love people where they are and we believe with them for greater things in the future. But five years ago, when we were forming this statement and we were wrestling with all of these thoughts, we were very purposeful in using the phrase impacting our world. Because it would be really easy to write a check to the missionaries and to organizations to impact the world. We could write our check, wash our hands of it and say, I did my job. But that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to impact our world. He wants you to impact your world. Okay, so last year, Madeline received a lava lamp for her birthday. And I love lava lamps. I never got to have one when I was a kid, but I always thought they were super cool. They were probably too hippified for my family to want to have in their house. But um, we can strike that from the thing before my dad listens to this message. <laughs> Um, but I always thought they were really cool. And Brother Don, I'm really glad that you're in here because Brother Don is a science teacher and I am a science teacher. And I, because I'm fascinated by them, looked up what makes lava lamps work. And the answer is two things. You have to have two liquids. That's aside from the two things. You have to have two liquids that are similar in density and insoluble, meaning that one of them will not dissolve in the other. Okay, they have to be similar in density and they have to not dissolve into each other. Okay, you have to mix these two substances. And the thing, this brings to mind a phrase that you might have heard that the church is to be in the world, but not of the world. Guess what? That is not in the Bible. I know. Not exactly. It comes from John 17 when Jesus is praying for the believers. He says, He's praying for us, guys. And he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, but sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The truth is, is that if God wanted to, he could have taken us to heaven as soon as we got saved. Raise your hand if you think that would have been awesome. Yeah. Give your heart to Jesus and wake up in heaven. That'd be amazing. I mean, that's where we're headed anyway, right? That's what we're all hoping for is heaven and perfection. So why did he make us stay here after salvation? The answer is impact. Impact. Jesus didn't say that he wished us to be loved in the world. He said that he was sending us into the world. That old saying would be more accurate instead of saying that you're, we're in the world but not of the world. It would be more accurate if it said that we are not of the world. We are sent into the world. But here's the thing. I have not been sent into your world. I will never be young and cute and on on a college campus again, unfortunately. (laughs) Never. Never. I will never provide medical care on an ambulance. Thank God. You don't want me to. Right? 
I have not been sent into your world. You have been sent into your world. You have been commissioned to impact your world. Going back to the lava lamp, remember we said it had to have two things, it had to have two substances that had two qualities, similar in density. Your world has people in it with which you share common ground. I don't share common ground with the people in your world. That common ground may be the street that you live on. That might be the only thing that you have in common with them. But that's common ground. It may be the job that you have. So the, the, the liquids have to have something in common, but they cannot be exactly the same. They cannot be exactly the same. The other thing is they have to be insoluble. One cannot dissolve into the other. In order for impact to happen, there has to be a fundamental difference in chemical makeup, a refusal of one substance to be absorbed by the other. Listen to that with your spiritual ears. There has to be a fundamental difference, a refusal for one substance to be absorbed by the other. We have, are not of this world, but Jesus said, I have sent them into the world. We are to the world. That's what we are to the world that God has placed us in. We are the salt to the unsatisfying life that your coworker lives. We're the light to the darkness that your friend is walking through. We're the example to your children, to our children, as they're trying to figure it out, what it means to live for Jesus in this culture. That's what we are. I see a church that is intentional about impact. Amen? So loving and growing, all of that is about, I mean, loving and impacting, all of that is about other people. This last one, growing together, that one's for us. Because here's the thing is that we can do a lot of good things, but I see a church that has restoration and regeneration built into its DNA. God never intended us to labor alone. Amen. God never intended you to do this by yourself. It's interesting to note that when Jesus sent out the disciples to spread the, the kingdom, the news about the kingdom of God, he always sent them in groups. And when the apostles went on their missionary journeys, they always went in groups or in partnerships. They never went by themselves. And wherever they went, they would find the local body of believers and they would spend time with God's people. The reason is, or let's look at Acts 2.42. Let's look at Acts 2.42. I think that one will be on the screen. It says, this is talking about the new um, church, brand new believers. It said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You can go ahead. It says, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this is a this is just this fledgling church, 
brand new religion that's following the way of Jesus. And the truth is, is that they were embarking on a dangerous mission. It was really dangerous for them to become Christians in this time. For many of them, faith in Jesus resulted of them being disowned by their families. Because these particular Christians were Jews. And the Jews did not accept Jesus as the Messiah. So if I, as a Jew, said that I believe in Jesus, then I am no longer part of my family. That also meant that my business could be boycotted. That I was ostracized culturally. Everywhere they, everywhere they went, they faced the hardest choices of whether they were going to go back to the life like everybody else was leading or if they were going to follow the way of Jesus. So they looked forward to gathering together in the fellowship of the believers because they knew that this was a time where they could be around like-minded people. They could relax and they could share their values and be encouraged by one another. The result was growth. Verse 47 said that the Lord added to their number daily. Here's the thing is that we face the same struggle and the same choices every day. Amen. Are we going to be, to go with the flow and, or are we going to be followers of Jesus? Are we going to impact our world or be absorbed by it? The only way, listen to me, church, the only way that we can continue in strength is by being around others who share the burden with us. We are in this together. Amen. Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 says this. It says we are to grow up. Everybody says grow up. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Everybody say grow. So that it builds itself up in love. So in that verse, we see two types of growth. It says that we individually are to grow up, maturing ourselves in the faith. We are to be giving Jesus more and more of ourselves every day. We're to be surrendering more and more to him every day. But then it also says, as a result of that, that we are to be growing together. How many of you feel more equipped to live for Jesus after you have been with the people of Jesus? Yeah, me too. After I leave here, you guys have inspired me to live life for Christ. You've encouraged me to not give up. You've encouraged me to trust Jesus. Unfortunately, many Christians see the body of Christ as a center that they just visit once a week to get a tune-up. They see God's house as a house, but God's vision for his house is actually for it not to be a house at all. God's vision for his house is for it to be a household, a group of people that are committed to one another and invested in one another. When something happens to one person in the household, guess what? The, re- the, the, the whole household feels the results, don't they? That's how we are as a household of faith, as a body of Christ. I can guarantee you that if I had a problem, I could call any person in this congregation and they would do whatever was in their power to help me out. That is the family of God. And I can guarantee you that if you 
called any person in this, in this church, they would do the same for you. Because that's what it means to grow together. Are you going to be best friends with every person in your church? Of course not. But I see a church that's a family. Growing up as individuals and growing together as we go along. Holding each other up, encouraging each other, and cheering each other on. Amen? We want to be loving all. We want to be impacting our world. And we want to be growing together. As you stand with me today and as the worship team comes, this was just a moment for me to share my heart with you of what it means to be celebrate church here in Clinton. How many of you know that Clinton did not need another church? You guys know that, right? We got plenty of them. But for some reason, for some reason, God has called us to be here in this place at this time. He wants to do something through us. He wants to build his kingdom in this city because of the people that are gathered here today and the people that call Celebrate Church their home. As you stand with me, I hope you'll just indulge me for a minute as I tell you what I think about the church that I see. I see a church filled with people who love God with passionate abandon, people who desire the presence and the pleasure of God above all lesser loves. I see a church constantly aware of a lost world, lost friends, lost neighbors who desperately need to experience the hope found in Jesus Christ. I see a church filled with people who will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see God move in this city. Amen. I see a church that loves unreservedly, gives generously, and helps with no strings attached, all in the hope that others will see Jesus in us. I see a church that's full of young people and children with a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. A church where the next generation is being raised up to passionately, of passionate, godly men and women, world changers, now and in the future. I see a church filled with people who are not satisfied to allow their relationship with God to become stagnant, but are consistently growing in godliness, maturing in faith, and believing God for greater things. Amen. I see a church focused on Jesus, dependent on the Holy Spirit, and firmly grounded in the Word of God. I see a church that is about her father's business, actively doing all in her power to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Hallelujah. Lord, let that be. Celebrate church this morning. God, let us have hearts for you, Lord, hearts for your people, hearts for the world, Jesus. God, let us run forward in the race that you've called us with strength, Lord, and with faith, never giving up, Lord. We have a tradition here at Celebrate Church. We always take a moment at the end of the service to ask the Holy Spirit this question. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit that question today. 
Maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but you don't actually have a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today is your day to meet him and to make him the Lord and best friend of your life. Maybe your love for God has grown cold. Maybe your love for people has grown cold. As we go into a time of prayer, I'm going to ask Meg. She's going to go to this station over here. Brother Don, would you mind stepping to this station over here? If there is anything in your heart today that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, or if you have any other need for healing or for hope or anything like at all, we invite you to come to one of these stations and be prayed for. Let us build you up. Let us agree with you for whatever's on your heart. Our our worship team is going to sing an encore song as we spend some time in prayer. Ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do to make you the follower and disciple of Christ that he wants you to be.